Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The story you're about to hear is a true birth story. It's the real deal. And it may not be appropriate for sensitive ears. On today's episode... I'm being rushed down this hallway, and I, I just know something is really wrong. And they put me in the OR, and this woman is handing me something to sign, and I can't understand what she's saying, because I am I don't know this, but my body's going into shock right now. And basically, she's, like, asking me, like, do you have a DNR? And then I see people wheeling in blood, and they're like, we have to give you a transfusion right now. So I thought, okay, so I'm not going to think about any of this. I'm going to think about my son, who I just met. Since the dawn of humanity till now, over 108 billion people have been born on planet Earth. And every single one of those people, including you, arrived here because a woman grew you inside her body and gave birth to you. So if birth is one of the most common experiences in the world, then how come there is so much secrecy surrounding the actual experience of what a woman goes through? My name is Christy Williams. I'm an actress. I'm a new mother. And before I gave birth to my son nine months ago, I thought that I was as prepared as anyone could be for my first time journey into motherhood. But the reality was that my pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experience left me feeling very shell-shocked. And all these months later, I feel like I'm just now starting to come out of the fog. I'm trying to understand what happened to my mind, to my body, to my spirituality, to my emotions, to my relationships. What happened to my sexuality? Basically, who am I now? And I just need help sorting it all out. I wish that I had had a tribe of women telling me the details of what their birth experience and recovery was like before I went through it all. But the truth is, it was only afterwards when I started sharing my experience with other moms, then they started opening up to me, telling me the details. Once you give birth, everyone's happy to share with you their own battle story. But before you give birth, nobody seems to want to scare you. But I have a different attitude. I feel like if I had known what to expect, then I would have felt less alone. So that's why I've decided it's time to demystify the experience of giving birth. Let's get honest about it. In this podcast, I'm sitting down with real anonymous women. We're discussing everything that you wondered, but were too embarrassed to ask. Don't worry, I got you. I'm asking for you. Topics such as conception, the difficulty of conception, the bad and good side of pregnancy, what actually happens to you on a birthing bed, recovering from birth injuries and tearing, recovering from C-sections, how to take care of your body after giving birth, what to have in your house so that you're going to be equipped for that. What is sex going to be like postpartum? Um, this one, nobody talks about. We're talking about it. Uh, We're talking about weird things that happen to your boobs, mental health struggles, postpartum, and so much more. Birth is a little bit scary for most women. If you've never done it before, there's a lot of fear surrounding it. But my belief is that knowledge, 
dispels fear. And so, yes, some of the things we talk about, they are going to be a little bit scary. But the thing I want you to take away from the show is that women are powerful and we can do anything. I mean, if you can give birth to a baby, you can do anything. The more that you know what's possible that could happen, the more you can be prepared and the less scared that you need to be. Birth is a marvelous thing. And it's really time for us to lift the curtain of mystery around what it actually takes to give life to the human race. I'm Christy Williams, and you're listening to Birth. My guest today is somebody who is a first-time mother. She is someone who's in her early 30s. She's someone who I've known for a very, very long time, so you might be able to tell that we're very familiar with each other. That being said, even though I've known her for many, many years, we've never had such an intimate conversation as the one that you're about to hear. She's someone that had a high-risk pregnancy and delivery. I know I learned a lot. We laugh a lot. She's hilarious. Let's just jump right into our conversation now. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be a guest on your podcast. This is like a through the looking glass moment for me. (laughs) Okay. So my first question is, did you always know you wanted to be a mother? No. No. I, um, I spent a lot of time taking care of people in my life. So my mom was sick and she got diagnosed with breast cancer when I was like 15. I was like 15, 16 when she got diagnosed. And because my dad wasn't home, my brothers, who are five and seven years younger than me, you know, needed help getting ready for school and getting out the door and lunch and dinner and everything. (laughs) So then she passed away. And then I was in college and they were living with me. Mm -hmm. The boys came to live with me. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that motherhood wasn't something I wanted. Um explicitly, but I kind of wanted to just focus on finding a really great partner. And yeah, and maybe this is just kind of a sad thing to say, but I often thought about my parents and wondered if they hadn't have had kids, would they have worked better? Mm. Or would they have had better lives? Would their relationship had just kind of run its course? And then would they have gone on to be happier? It's a dark thought, but I think anybody that comes from a complicated family um, construct mm-hmm. will like understands what I'm saying. People with good parents might not. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's look, sliding doors. That movie really affected me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, so back to what to the answer to your question. Um, I wanted to find somebody who wanted to like really build a cool life together. Mm -hmm. And then I always thought I, you know, if I got to a place where I was serious about someone, I'd think about their family. And, you know, when I met my husband, we were friends for a couple years before we started dating and we got together. I remember we were driving somewhere and I thought to myself, like, you know, a kid would be really lucky if this was their dad. Mm. That'd be, that'd be really cool. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, I was at dinner with his parents and I thought, wow, a kid would be really lucky to have these people as grandparents. (laughs) That that would be really cool. And I think that's how I ended up 
you know, then we got married mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the reason we got married is because we wanted to have kids. So there was a point where I crossed that bridge and was like, I would like to have children. So but you had always that conversation while you were dating. Yeah. About pretty early on. Pretty early. It came up. But that was the other thing about it is that he just was so open with how much he loved me so early on. And um, that made me feel safe. And so those conversations just kind of started happening. And that made me feel like this is a person that wants children, mm-hmm. you know, because that was another part. It's like I grew up feeling, you know, unwanted by my dad in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want I just didn't really want to bring a person onto the planet to experience that since I had the ability to at least for one person <laughs> keep that you know, from happening again. So, yeah. What's your conception story? We were lucky. I mean, I stopped taking birth control and I was pregnant a month later. And there are going to be people listening to this that don't have that story. And I'm, you know, I have a couple friends that are struggling with conception and it's such a real pain, like deep heart pain. But, you know, I, I wasn't spared in many departments in my life. So I'll take it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really feel like I got in that way. Uh, I got really lucky and I loved being pregnant. Really? I loved it. What did you, what did you like about it? Um, well, you know, as you know, um, I was born with a heart problem and have had five open heart surgeries. I've had multiple intervention. You came to the hospital after my last major one. I have such a vivid memory of waking up and seeing your face. It's crazy. I was just thinking about that on the way up. And um, yeah, my tube in my throat, this whole thing. Um, I had never felt my body come online like that before. Wow. Ever wow. like that. I, um, And even with all the discomfort, I threw up every day of my pregnancy. I, you know, I had hemorrhoids. I was tired. I, you know, it was painful, but it was working. It was, it was happening. It was fine. It was health. The baby was healthy. I was healthy. My skin looked really good. I had great hair. I was like, okay. The hair was amazing. I had really (laughs) great pregnancy hair, like crazy Victoria's secret hair. Nothing else Victoria's secret, but I had the hair. (laughs) I want to figure out how to get a pill that will recreate that hair. That's a that's a lot. You'll make a lot of money oh, uh, if good. you could figure that one out. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved being pregnant and I loved, you know, oh my God, every time they played his heartbeat and it was healthy, it was just this huge thing for me. 100%. I mean, I, and I, the other thing that was cool is that because I have this heart problem, I had a high risk pregnancy. So I had a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of prenatal care, like more than most women get. I was in the doctor a lot. And so I got to see my son a lot more than most people do when they're pregnant. And I, you know, that was really kind of, kind of cool. Like yeah. a thing I didn't really, you know, expect. Did you find out the gender early on? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I had to know. I I just thought like, well, why not? You know, what was your, what went through your mind when you found out it was a boy? I was so relieved. Oh, really? <laughs> I wanted a boy. Wow. I wanted a boy. I, you know, I had already raised two boys and I have some muscle memory for that. Not the infant part of it, but, you know, after 10, I'm going to know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Some no level, kidding. which is also probably not true. But I was I was really happy. I, I wanted a boy. I I know you're supposed to say, I didn't, you know, whatever is healthy. If it were a girl, I would have been down, but I would have been a lot more afraid. Right. Well, I was afraid regardless, but 
for me, when I found <laughs> out it was a boy, I don't know why, but I just had a feeling it was a girl. I was shocked. But now that I have my son and he's here, it's like I can't even imagine. Yeah, it feels like yeah. they were always here, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the th- I had one of those like dorky apps that all women get, you know, like the produce one. Like I remember one, it was like, your son is the size of a Persian cucumber. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what kind of Santa Monica farmer's market thing is this? Like I had to Google that. I'm like, you're supposed to make this easier, weird produce app. But um, one of the things that was really neat, I had this other app that was just, it was just development based. Mm-hmm. And it said that, uh, okay, so now your baby is this far along, which means if you have a girl, she has the eggs inside of her that would be your grandchildren. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, and for me, since my mom's not here, it was mm-hmm. this like, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, that was, it's a miracle. You know, it's like such a crazy thought, you know, that he was there all along in that way. They're, they really mm-hmm. are there all along, mm-hmm. which is probably why it feels that way. It's very strange. It's very strange. It is so strange. I know. I remember reading that too and thinking like, wow, mind blown. What? Yeah. (laughs) That's how it works. So crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's really special. Um, Did you feel like you had an idea of what birth was like before you, or had you had heard any stories about what birth was like before you got pregnant or as you were pregnant, did you feel like you had a good expectation of, of what you were in for? Oh, this is where my story starts to get really complicated. Um, <laughs> so I have received more medical care in my life than most people do by many folds. And I really, the birth part of it in my mind was in, it had become like a very clinical experience. You know, when you've had open heart surgery, like it's hard not to look at something like that in the same, in the same way. And, and it's interesting because I, I just saw uh, Ad Astra. Have you seen it yet? I mean, you, you have a, me. a, a baby, so no. Um, I haven't it. seen it. Okay. That's the one with Brad Pitt. Right. Yeah. And what struck me, and this actually struck me with the Martian too, when you're going in for major surgery, it kind of feels like you're an astronaut because there are people like sticking leads up and they're doing their job and their whole job is to set you up for something that they're not going on that journey. It's just you. And it is that intense, especially something like open heart surgery. You don't know if you're coming back. You're going to a place that many people don't ever go, that kind of a thing. And I kind of went into childbirth with that mentality, hmm. uh, which I think actually contributed to what had, what happened. And we'll get into that hmm. in a minute. Um, but I was going to get an epidural. I had to for my heart. That was just going to have to happen. The pain management aspect of it was the part that my doctor was like, you can't you might be able to survive that, but I'd rather you not try. <laughs> like, right. Um, and it was a vaginal birth. You why? Know. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just don't know. Yeah. Why uh, would an epidural be necessary because you have heart condition? Because your brain doesn't know you're in pain. Oh, okay. So it doesn't kick into any of those other things. Gotcha. You don't have the, as much anxiety or. Well, yeah, you're, the base. I mean, your heart becomes elevated because it's like some level of exercise essentially when you're pushing the baby out, but your brain responds to that level of pain differently than if it doesn't know what's in that kind of pain. I, I get it. Yeah. As someone so, whose epidural didn't work, I'm glad yours did at least for that, that time. Would, that would have been – well, that would have killed me actually. I would have died if the epidural hadn't worked. <sighs> wow. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I'm glad it worked. Yeah. So when you're when you're preparing for your birth, you know it's going to be medical. You know it's going to because of your heart yeah. conditions, regardless of the reason. Did you take a birthing class? Did nope. you no? Nope. <laughs> Oops. No. Oh, but do you also, regret that? Um, a little bit, do, but not you a lot. Read a book Does that make or? sense? Yeah, I read a lot. Yeah, but I'm a I'm a very tactile learner. I'm an interpersonal learner. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a YouTube watcher. Mm-hmm. As far as putting things together and doing things, I have to watch someone do those things. And I don't know why I did not. I think part of it had to do with the way I was being prepped. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like individuation talk with me, like, well, because of you, well, because of your condition. And I think in hindsight, a lot of that seeped in, which is like, I can go to a birthing class, but a lot of it isn't going to be applicable to me. Right. Which is hilarious. Um, and kind of true seeing how it all turned out for me (laughs) but um i don't i have decided that the next you know the next time i'm pregnant i'm gonna have a doula Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna try to give myself a really wide no pun intended birth on Uh this experience (laughs) right just do it differently all right so how did you know you were in labor it's well, getting close to due date. Yeah. What happened? Well, and everybody's telling me, well, it's your first kid, so he'll probably be late. Mm-hmm. They'll be late. Everybody likes to say that. Everybody tells you that because everybody knows. <laughs> That's the thing about everybody. They know everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows everything. <laughs> and um, I was actually – my mother-in-law, God bless this woman. She's really like a big hero in my entire story, honestly. Her birthday was the day after my due date. Okay. And the Sunday before, she decided to celebrate her birthday. Oh, wow. She was like, we're so close. I don't even want this to be a thing. Let's just celebrate my birthday now because that way we're ready for whatever happens, you know? And I was like, okay, like, that's great. And uh, we show up. And we're in the middle of lunch and I, you know, realize I have to pee, which is like my MO. And I stood up and it felt like when you get like a kind of like, uh, like when you have your period and there's like a rush mm-hmm. and I was like, what was that? Cause it wasn't a lot. It was just something. Yeah. So I go to the bathroom and it, you know, it's like what I imagined my water breaking looking like was not what I was getting. I was getting like a weird dribble of mm-hmm. fluid. And the thing is, is when you're pregnant, your vagina becomes a nightmare factory <laughs> like the whole time. It is a strange land. So you're yeah. just like, I don't know, but I know this doesn't look like my water breaking. Like I know what my water breaking is supposed to look like. This is like a little bit. Right. Right. I had a same experience, but I'm curious before this, were you having any Braxton Hicks? Did you nope. even know? Cause I, I was like, I don't even know what that's supposed to feel like really. Nope. Nope. So you weren't experiencing any sort of early nope. contractions, nothing. nothing, just a little dribble. I had had one weird cramp the day before, one. Hmm. It was just kind of like that, hey, right. went away. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> that, All right. We're at the end of the line here. So that's, mm-hmm. and then actually, interestingly enough, I had had a miscarriage uh, two or three years prior, oh, wow. but it was a thing where it's like, I didn't know I was pregnant. It was early on. It was very early. And that like. I woke up in the middle of the night with like a crazy cramp and I was like, what is that? And then it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then I went to the bathroom and stuff fell out and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, mm. but I had more discomfort in that experience than I did with, you know, 
my full-term pregnancy here. Wow. Um, and that actually happens to a lot of women, by the way. Like, if there are any dudes listening. A lot of women have, like, spontaneous miscarriages and they didn't even know they were pregnant. Yeah. Well, I read something like 40% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's, it's amazing that we all get here, honestly. So, so you're in the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, my underwear is not in the best shape it's been, but okay. So then I go sit down again, go back to lunch, eating, have to pee again, stand up, same thing happened. And, you know, the other thing that is really, that I don't hear a lot of people talking about is when you're pregnant, and in, in my case, I was going to give birth to the first grandchild on both sides of the family. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Like, especially towards the end. And it, it actually, it didn't annoy me. I understood what was going on, but I didn't want to do like a false alarm run to the hospital. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be the woman that shows up three days early and have everybody look at her and say, you silly lady, you're not, you're not in childbirth yet. Right. But oh, yeah, they tell you, oh, if you come out too soon, we're going to send you away. They put the fear of God right. in you. But also you're, you're in a situation in this moment where you're already with family. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, this is supposed to happen in the middle, in the middle of the night. And I'm supposed to like get some tea and like think about how I want right. to handle this. Get in a bath or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Nope. So lunch is over. I have said nothing throughout the entire lunch. We're driving home and I text my friend who's a doula. Hey, hope you're having a nice Sunday. I got a question for you. So can your water break in like phases? <laughs> I didn't know what other way to ask. Yeah. And the text back was so great. She's like, I'm having a great weekend. Wow, this is so interesting. I'm really glad you're talking to me about it. Tell me more about how you're feeling. So she really just like gets me to a place where she finally just says, think you got to go to the hospital. So I see the text. and I'm like, okay. We're pulling into the driveway. And I said, I think my water broke. Uh, what, did, what did he yeah. say? And he's like, like right now? And I said, yeah, I think my water broke at the restaurant. And he's like, at the restaurant, your water broke? <laughs> and I was like, I I just don't know. It just doesn't. He's like, okay. And he was so amazing. He's like, okay, just like, let me text my parents. And I'm like, oh, he's like, we have to text my parents. <laughs> they have to know because and I'm like, all right, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because we had a whole plan. You know, you have your plan to get to the hospital and everything. Yeah. So, you know, we're packing. And there's just a little bit more water coming out. And I'm like, okay. And again, it was just like, it felt like when you get your period, it didn't mm -hmm. feel like this epic blowout that I thought you get, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking back, I'm like, did my mucus plug come out yesterday? Because I had had like spotting. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Christy. Just popping in here real quick, just to make sure you all know what a mucus plug is. A mucus plug is a thick collection of mucus that accumulates in the cervix during pregnancy. It blocks the opening of the cervix and contains antibacterial properties that help prevent infection from reaching your baby in the uterus and preterm labor. The mucus plug provides an added barrier of protection for your baby during pregnancy. So what happens when you lose the mucus plug? As the cervix is getting ready for labor, it starts to dilate late in your pregnancy. And that's when the mucus plug falls out. It might be pink or clear or even have blood in it. It might look like a big jelly-like glob or come out in little pieces. Eh, you know, it's all normal. 
But when it falls out, that means you're probably going to go into labor sometime in the near future. It can fall out sometimes a week or two weeks before. Mine fell out actually when my water broke. So it was just like, oh, okay, here we go. That's it. Just wanted to clarify what a mucus plug is for everyone in case you didn't know. Back to the conversation now. But again, everybody's coming at me with, and this is really important, everybody's coming at me with, he's not going to, you know, maybe your due date, but probably the day after. Everyone's hitting me with this. Like, nope, nope, not going to happen. Not, you know, like, okay. So I just didn't think it was possible. Right. Like, that's how easy it is to just like, okay. Like, (laughs) it's amazing the misinformation that (laughs) so many people say so many things that are completely unfounded. Oh, you're sick every day throwing up. That means you're having a girl. It's like, what? But they put this idea in your mind or, you know, whatever. But yeah, a similar thing happened to me where everyone's like, oh, it's going to be late. It's going to be late. It's going to be late. And Well, and as dumb as this sounds, I feel like they want to be the person that gets the gender right. It's just that simple. It's the same thing as like putting your quarter in at the in Vegas. It's it is. <laughs> it's very human to be like, right. I know what this is, like, right. and I get it. Um, and I think that's why people throw so much at you. So yeah, I mean, we so we we go to the hospital and we wheel in, and I get kind of that like, well, you know, you're early, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. The nurse said that to you. Everybody said this to me. Wow, well, you're early, and I'm like, how early was it? Three days. Oh, that's we're not, not talking. I know. Okay, three days early. So yeah. they're yeah. saying, okay, we'll early. check you out. And um, so you go to triage. They do. Yeah, a we're test. chilling. The nurse is talking to me. She holds this stick up. I mean, wonderfully enough, Jurassic Park was on TNT that day, which is my wow. favorite movie of all time. So I was very happy. I was like, yeah. well, I will sit and watch Jurassic Park in this air conditioning and just live my life. Like I don't care. <laughs> Fine. Sounds like heaven. So she walks in, you know, she's like, okay, I'm going to use this stick. We're going to swab. And then she, you know, she swabs, she pulls it out and she's talking to me. She's like, you know, and if it turns blue, then it's, you know, amniotic fluid and it's happening. And as she's talking, it's turning bright blue. And I was like watching wow. it turn blue. And she, she kind of stops. She sees I'm looking at it. She looks at it and she goes, okay, you're having a baby. Today's the day. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and it's really funny because my hair and makeup were done for this nice dinner at their lunch we were at. So I'm like kind of ready. Like, I'm yeah. like, okay, like, here we go. And, you know, and then all the excitement starts. And, you know, that's that's where it started. So when they checked you out, were you dilated already at that point? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was dilated. Do you I, I can't remember. A little much. bit. It was just a little bit, but and, I was dilated. And and But uh, I had been dilated. Okay. That, like for... A week. Right. Okay. So. so you were dilated. You were having contractions. They just weren't. You weren't feeling it yet. Were you on a monitor at that point? At what point did they hook you up to a monitor? Then they immediately hooked me up to right. a monitor because of my heart. It yeah. was like, all right, now you're, now you're at the hospital for however long this takes. This is, you know, got you. And did you have any concept of how long it might take at that point? Did anyone? Did, did they make you feel like you were having the baby that day or? Well. They were not going to allow me to be in birth longer than – in labor, sorry, longer than – I can't remember how long the period of time is. It was the other thing that they were trying to control right? as far right, as my right. heart's concerned. is like at a certain point, we're going to give you Pitocin gotcha. and we're going to just make this happen. So when did you get the – did you get Pitocin quickly? Or? Like eight hours later. Oh, okay. So they let you wait for a while. Yeah, for a while. And then like if- in the middle of the night, they were like, 
And they gave it to me after they gave me my epidural. Okay. Oh, yeah. They were very, very... Because at three centimeters? Yeah. That's when I got my... That's when you got your... That's when I got my epidural. epidural. Okay. They were, like, not messing around. They're like, once we got to three, you were going to... That's great. So you felt some pain then because I didn't really. I didn't. Okay, great. (laughs) I didn't. I I didn't feel any physical pain during my birth whatsoever. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like the kind of birth I wanted. Well, that's what you're paying for with an epidural. (laughs) You just don't always, you know. Yeah. So then, so then uh, how long was it? So you got there eight hours later, you got Pitocin. And then from the time you got Pitocin... I think it was like four hours later. I was four like, hours later. It was happening. They say, okay, we, we're ready to push. And I remember this moment so well. I looked at this nurse and I was like, I have a really stupid question to ask you. And she's like, what? And I'm like, how do I know <laughs> it's time to call you over and start pushing? Because I can't feel anything. Wow. How do I know? I don't know. And it didn't occur to me that I didn't know until that moment. Wow. So they didn't. Well, I mean, obviously, they would probably tell you. This is where a birthing class probably would have been handy. <laughs> if you're 10 centimeters and you're ready to go. But I'll I'll give you guys the $2 birthing class tip. What? The nurse looks at me and she's like, it's going to feel like you have to take the biggest shit of your life. Yep. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's exactly how it felt. Yep. Yep. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, since you have a history of heart problems, then... Was there a lot more people in the room or was oh, there yeah. a lot of people yeah. in the I mean, room? It at was all very times? like I was very attended to. Okay. And as far as the baby during labor, he seemed to be doing great the whole time. He was great. He was no, great. no dips. My baby in. was fine. Amazing. So you get to the pushing phase. And how long did you push? Two pushes. Amazing. Okay. He Two was pushes. Born in five minutes. That's fast. And that might have been what killed me. <laughs> Almost killed okay. me. So he came out real quick and it was very traumatic on you. I, I, I experienced three tears, two second degree tears and a third degree tear. And, and I didn't know right away because I couldn't feel anything. They didn't tell you? Not right away. Okay. I think they don't want to tell you right away. Yeah, well. Well, they don't want your heartbeat to go up. True. You're also <laughs> probably enjoying the baby. So that so moment they, so the baby came out and he went on your chest, what was that like? Um... I really want to be the person that's like, I fell in love with my child right away. I was not. I, I I was overwhelmed. I was like, I was more like counting fingers and toes. Just like I went full, like, how are we doing? You know, looking at his head and his eyes and like, mm-hmm. are you, did we not catch something in there? Like, mm-hmm. I was more just like, hey, okay, look at me. Look at mom. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How you know, are you doing, kid? Hey, hey, yeah. hi. I'm your mom. Really quick, before we get into all the fun stuff, how are you? You know, like, so I was really primal in that moment. There was not this, like, There wasn't joy. emotion? No. Not for me. Uh, what about for your husband? Yes. You know, oh, my gosh. Oh, hi. Like, you know, yeah. very sweet. And I'm like, okay, I married the right guy. Like, I, I was really just, like, uh-huh. kind of evaluating everything and then maybe just because somewhere deep down i knew something was wrong hmm. because the next with thing you. that th- what you knew something was wrong with you i guess i don't know okay. I, I just didn't allow myself in that moment to be fully present because i also knew in the back of my mind um i wasn't cleared yet mm, okay i mean because i did know that part <laughs> you know like i have to hear that i'm okay too i have to hear that part 
So you push him out, he's on your chest, and then suddenly you're thinking something's not right. And no, then I'm not, what happened? I'm not thinking that something's not right. I'm just not quite ready to let myself enjoy things quite yet. Okay. I'm just like, let me hear that I'm okay. And Understandable. Then I'll be here. Right. But then, you know, just like in a movie, I hear, okay, well, we, we're really having a hard time stopping this bleeding. It's not happening. And I was like, and then I remember looking past my son. Oh. And there was a flurry of activity. I know what it looks like when doctors are concerned. That's another thing I know because of everything I've been through. Right. I know that if everything was good, they'd be looking at me, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were not looking at me. They Mm -hmm. were looking at me in a different way. Right. And they said, we have to go close up. You have a significant tear. We have to close it up right now. Okay. And, the way he said it to me, I knew there was something really wrong. It was urgent. Yeah. Because there was no like, okay, let me, there was no um, kick gloves thing going. It was like, get so out. So they took you out of the labor and delivery room. Yeah. And took me to the OR immediately. Wow. It and was... I'm being raced to the OR and I'm like, this is not what I thought Mm-mm. was going to happen. So... I'm being rushed down this hallway and I I just know something is really wrong. And they put me in the OR and this woman is handing me something to sign. And I can't understand what she's saying because I'm my, I don't know this, but my body's going into shock right now and I can't talk. And I'm like, uh, uh, like sh- I'm like convulsing and I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> and basically she's like, asking me like do you have a dnr wow you know and then i see people wheeling in blood and they're like we have to give you a transfusion right now and i was like okay like you know so at that point i thought okay i can't do anything about this right now there's nothing i can do but stay calm because if i could keep my heart rate down it will contribute to saving my life. Wow. That's the only thing I can do to try to stay alive. That's the only tool I have. That's amazing clarity. There. Well, it's just like, so I thought, okay, so I'm not going to think about any of this. I'm going to think about my son who I just met. Mm-hmm. And, um, And I just started to think of the people in his life. So I was like, okay, he's got my husband, which is the best person I know. So that's solid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he has my brothers. And and I just started to go through this constellation of people. um, Because that's all I could do. Yeah. That's it. And I just did that. I just kept going through faces. I thought of you. I thought of so many people. I was like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. I got people invested in me. And if I'm not here, they will be invested in him. Thank God I'm not an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kept doing that until I heard we were, I was okay. And the other thing is, you know, my OB wasn't able to be there at the beginning of the birth. Because that just happens sometimes. Yeah. Most and of I, the time. And I love him. Oh. 
I love him. He has like Steve Martin, father of the bride energy, just like love it. Completely competent. And there was a point where he came in the room and I knew I was going to be okay when he got there because that's just who he is. And the reason why I said, if I hadn't have had an epidural, I would have died is because the cut was, the tear was so deep that they wouldn't have been able to fix it because it would have been so painful to sew it up that yeah. I, they couldn't have kept me down. Yeah. And I would have died. Yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't have been time for an epidural. There was no local anesthetic. There was nothing for something like that. So in the end, the epidural did save my life. Just it wasn't in a way. And ironically, my heart was fine the whole time. Wow. <laughs> my heart rate was great. Like all of that was fine. Thank God that you got that epidural. Well, so you had three tears. Three tears. And do you mind me asking where they were? Um, They were, I mean, I just, to get too technical about it, I think it's going to lose people. But basically, well, there were- was no barrier between my vagina and my butthole. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, right. That's, that was completely blown open. Did you have a cervical tear as I had well? A, yeah. The way the doctor just explained it to me is that my cervix was shredded. That sounds like a really bad tear. It was, yeah. I shredded my cervix. Yeah. See, that's one of the things that I had the most fear around before yeah. giving birth. Did you, did <laughs> yeah. you, were you afraid of that nope. as well? Nope. No. Um, and actually my, my biggest fear was having an episiotomy which is what I ended up having. And it's a different thing from tearing. Oh yeah. But but it was the recovery from that was it's incredibly painful. Horrible. Yeah. And I yeah, know a I lot had- of women do it all the time and maybe they don't talk about it and they I don't. think every person has different kinds of scar tissue or different kinds no, of healing, no. but I I don't I, I respectfully I just think we're expected not to complain. Hmm. You can't tell me that that area doesn't hurt. Hey, it's Christy again. Just want to pop in here real quick because we're going to talk about vaginal tearing during delivery real quick. There are first degree tears, which are the smallest tears involving just the skin around the vaginal opening. These don't always require stitches. They might heal on their own. And then there are second degree tears. And these are tears that involve muscles. So these muscles are between the vagina and anus, that, that muscle tears. Now, a third degree tear involves the area from perennial muscles to the muscles around the anus. And these ones can require surgical intervention to repair. They can take months to heal. And then there's fourth degree tears. Now, fourth degree tears are the most severe of all kinds of tears. These tears involve the perennial muscles, the anal sphincter, and the tissue all the way around the rectum. These tears require surgical repair. Now, according to the internet, third and fourth degree tears are very rare. You're more likely to tear if you have an assisted birth, uh, like forceps or vacuum, if the baby's shoulder is stuck behind your pubic bone, if you have induced labor, if it's your first baby, if it's a large baby, if you're an older mother, if it's a very long second stage of labor. Um, talk to your doctor. If you're afraid of all this, ask your doctor what your risk is for a vaginal tear. Make sure you open the communication you know, talk about it. There are massages you can do. You know, you're going to be okay. (laughs) Don't worry. Regardless, you're going to be okay. Vaginal tearing can take a long time to heal. And sometimes it's a lot of months. It can cause painful intercourse for some time. It will get better eventually. Sometimes if your doctor thinks that you're going to tear 
badly during delivery, then they'll choose to do an episiotomy. An episiotomy is an incision made into the vagina and sometimes the muscle layer. And it just allows your baby's head to pass through without tearing worse than it would if they cut you. Now, this was my big fear before I gave birth. And the reason that I had to have an episiotomy is that my son, I I was going on 53 hours um, since my water broke. And my son was in some great amount of distress. His heart rate was dropping up and down. And they had previously been preparing me for an emergency C-section, but then I was able to start pushing. And when I was able to start pushing, then his heart rate started dropping significantly. And the doctor basically said, I think we need to help him get out. He has to get out quicker. Uh, So I think we're going to have to do an episiotomy and use a vacuum. Is that okay? And at that point, I said, get him out. (laughs) Get him out. And that was the thing that I didn't want. But the baby's health is better than anything. And he was fine. And it was fine in the end. Yes, it was a painful recovery. But I don't regret it at all. Because if I hadn't done it, and his heart had stopped, or I don't even want to think about it. So um, as far as cervical tears go, I couldn't find out that much about it in my research. But I did find a study that was published on the US National Library of Medicine's website. And according to this study, Cervical tearing is a rare complication of vaginal delivery. It says clinically significant lesions of the cervix occur in 0.2 to 1.7% of vaginal deliveries. Um, And that ultimately they are a rarity. I'm paraphrasing here. Do your own research. I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Ask your doctor. I'm not trying to give medical advice. I'm just trying to explain what I understand so that we can all have a conversation about it. (sighs) Look, I know three women who recently had their first baby and two of them had an epidural. One of them did all natural. All three of them did not tear at all. And so that's very possible. You don't know what you're going to get in the moment. It doesn't really help to worry about it. The only thing that's going to help is to understand the possibility and understand that regardless of what happens, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Back to the conversation now. You can't tell me that that area doesn't hurt. You just, you can't. Like, you can't tell me that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, and I was in tremendous pain. And I think, you know, that mental exercise that kept my heart rate down was an exercise that I, because of the trauma of the experience, I had a hard time breaking out of. And I think that was the mechanism of my postpartum depression. To keep calm? No. What do you mean? Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I mean, well, yes, to keep calm. I mean, seriously, (laughs) like just stay calm, just stay calm. You know, that, that mental circus. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of women out there that have had, you don't have to have had five open heart surgeries and a dead mom and an abusive dad to, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a royal flush, but it, to, uh, because we are kind of, the, the, the childbirth is framed in such a physical, clinical way. I don't know how many women are prepared for the emotional unearthing that happens after you have a kid. And we, I mean, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but, you know, when you have a lot of negativity in your life, in your past, 
it's going to come up when you've had no sleep, when you're in a lot of pain, and when you're responsible for something that is the most helpless thing that you have ever encountered in your life. Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, maybe if I had had a little bit more breathing and 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 done more just presence, I, my body wouldn't have been as tense and I wouldn't have torn in that way. There's that very real possibility. There's also the possibility that there would be nothing you could do. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> like, I say I look – that's why I, when you ask me if I regret having not taken a birthing class, it's like my answer is only a little bit because there's just – you just don't know. I don't know what would have made a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a C-section next time. I can tell you that mm-hmm. right now. I feel like. The- Shred my cervix once. <laughs> shame on me. <laughs> not doing that again. I don't care what anybody says. <sighs> and I'm sure there's other some dumb bullshit thing that's going to happen with that too. But I lead a very exhilarating life. Um, no, but what, I, what I'm trying to say is that mental exercise, what that turned into is me obsessively deleting myself from the moment to make sure my son would have been safe. It just didn't stop after that. Wow. So the, they wheel me out uh, and my mother-in-law and my – I have this like adopted mom who stepped in after my mom died who in every way like invested herself as a mother with me and was there. And um, thank God they were the first people I saw. Well, first of all, I physically couldn't have held a baby because I was still just like violently shaking. Um, That's something I did not expect, the, the shaking. <laughs> yeah. But I was shaking probably the last five hours of my labor. But I was in labor for 53 hours. But but uh, Were you on a covered wagon in the middle of nowhere too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like. That's um, what it feels like, kids. But yeah, I, I did not expect the shaking and the shaking continues. I mean, probably especially for you because you had so much blood loss yeah. and a transfusion. So that was probably even more intense. But I was like, it was almost like an, just annoying that I could, didn't have control of my body on top of everything else. It yeah. just is like add insult to injury that you're just like, yeah. like sitting there like, I don't yeah. know what's happening to me. Well, what was really dark about that was I realized how many other times I had been in shock. So that was the first thing that happened was that I started thinking about all the other times my body had been shaking uncontrollably. So through really abusive experiences with my dad or being in the hospital or right after my mom died, I had this like very strong set of memories come back related to being in shock. So that sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about add insult to injury, right? Yeah. And I mean, this is literally the first time I've ever really talked about this part because, I mean, I've talked about it in therapy, but I really hope I can, I hope somebody else hears this that needs to hear this and not because I want to scare them, but because I want, I just want them, if I had been, if I had been expecting it. Yeah. So that's the kind of person I am. I'm a diagnostic thinker. Yeah. You can give me the worst news in the world, but if, if it's facts, I'm like, okay. Cause you know how my brain works. I'm yeah. like, well then let's figure out a way out of this. But right. I didn't know what was happening to me. I, I didn't understand why I was imagining my mom dying in a hospital bed and my dad screaming at me. And every other time I've been in the hospital, because every other time I've been in the hospital, this has not happened to me. Wow. I had never experienced. I mean, it's like, it's so weird, mm-hmm. but it was because I was a mom. That yeah. was the difference. Wow. That was the difference because my life now was leading into someone else's life. Not out of choice, 
This mm-hmm. is not a person that asked to be here. Yeah. You know, my husband knew what he was getting into when he married me. You know, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. this is not, you know, and suddenly I felt like this. my son had a broken mom, which wow. was such a nightmare feeling for me. And then I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that because it must have felt so overwhelming. Just it's just the couldn't. shame cycle started immediately. So it was like the physical pain, having flashbacks, then immediately feeling like I should never have done this to somebody. And this started right after, <laughs> right like, after birth. Yeah. <laughs> and how long were you in the hospital? Did you have like, did your... Well, the one good thing that happened right after that, I mean, because so much happened in that tw- half hour. I mean, yeah. I went from having him to being in the OR to being out of the OR in a half an hour. Wow. So all of this infinite experience happened in a very short period of time, maybe an hour. And then they brought him in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Like, don't do this, you know. And he latched immediately. Oh. And I-, I swear to God, if that had not happened, I would have lost it. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I wasn't, you know. I I just know I wasn't actually this isn't true. I don't like saying this about myself. <laughs> I probably would have gotten through it, but it just is one less trauma that I had to deal with. Yeah. You know what I mean? In that yeah. whole experience. Like, okay, he latched. You know, and I think this is really important to understand for some moms because there's so much envy in the experience of like, oh, you had a really great pregnancy. And the first thing I hear when I say that is like, oh, well, that must have been nice. Like that's the first thing I hear. Yeah. You know, or if I tell people my son latched right away, oh well, yes, you're so lucky. I didn't, and they don't know. They don't know they what don't they're know talking else. Yeah. about. They don't know that I didn't get. And every mom has something where she, you just don't get lucky. <laughs> you it's know what I true. mean? Like, you, and so it's like I feel like the other thing I'm really passionate about is just celebrating when somebody tells me something went right because I don't know what went wrong. That's a really good point. And I think that's something that like, I'm going to take away from this conversation, especially because there is always something and you really don't know. I mean, I hear that all the time, like, oh yeah, you know, conceived easily. Oh, well, glad that worked out for you. I've been trying for three years or whatever, you know, like people tend to look at the, the negative side and it doesn't mean that we don't have empathy for everybody, but there's always a battle. And just because it was easy this time doesn't mean it's going to be easy next time. Well, or doesn't I, I, mean- think, I think we're in a time where we are obsessively making space for people's pain, which has a lot of benefits right mm-hmm. now. Like it does. It has, we're making, we're talking about very difficult things at this day and age that, you know, and it's all happening at once. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of more, many more conversations to be had, but there is still good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have to let a mom be happy about something that worked out. You have to. And you have to you have to celebrate that with her. Because there's a lot of other stuff that went wrong with me. Like even in just that hospital stay. I had a nurse that was like made me feel like a drug addict when I said, no, I don't think six, six oxycodone are going to cut it for you've had me on Dilaudid for three days to deal with this pain. You're sending me home with six oxy to deal with this physical pain. And oh, she, that is not good enough. Oh, she made me feel like a drug-seeking whore. Truly. Truly. And by the way, when I got home, it sent me on a trajectory of physical pain that I know made my postpartum depression worse. I know it did. 
You mean having not enough pain or not yeah, the right I pain management? Real, I need better. I needed better pain medication. Yeah, I had to fight for pain management yeah, as it's, well. It's just. I'm sorry that there are people out there numbing their feelings because they got in a car accident and their back really hurt and then they got they got hooked on something and now they're on the streets. I'm very sorry. Right. But, but you just had three hey, giant tears and your that, cervix was shredded. Time out. And I said this to her. I've had five fucking open heart surgeries. If there was ever a person <laughs> that yeah. had the opportunity to get hooked on opioids, you're looking at her. Yeah. Oh, what'd she say? She just acted and I, and she kept fighting me, kept fighting me. And I said, and I, I'll, I did this. I was really proud of myself. Nobody was in the room. And I said, listen to me, I'm going to go home without these pain meds. And I'm going to tell everybody that I can about what you did to me. Not you specifically. I'm not going to name you, but I want you to know that in my heart, you have treated me like a teenager. And I'm not saying you're treating me like a teenager. You're acting like a teenager. Mm. And I don't think you're qualified to be doing the job you're doing. I think you're an insensitive bitch. And I hope when you get sued one day, because it's going to happen to you, I can see it in your eyes, that they take everything from you. (laughs) I hope you lose everything. I laid into this woman in a way that I've never laid. No, that's not true. I've laid into a lot of people like this. But I just, I hated her and I still hate her. I don't hate I a lot of people. Why. I don't even hate my dad, who was not the best dad on the planet. But I do hate this one woman. Because the sad thing is, is I knew she was doing this to other moms. I have a lot of sympathy for it because, I mean, I didn't tear as badly as you. I had an episiotomy and it was significant cut. But it's also like the way that I felt after that experience. And in the beginning, I had a problem with my kidneys and there was like a few other things that happened. So they were literally giving me five milligrams of Tylenol. And I was like, no, I literally, I'll probably cut this out, but I literally said, whose dick do I have to suck in this hospital to get proper pain medicine? And I made such, (laughs) I made such a stink about getting it that finally I got to a doctor that would, would uh, like come back, you know, whatever, test me again, give me the right stuff. And but I had to fight for it, and luckily they gave yeah. me pain management. Like I had extras, so they gave me a lot. But it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be that way. So anyone listening, you have to insist. Well, I I wish I I wish again. I am the I have a PhD in being a patient. <laughs> right. um, there is not a level of the medical system that you don't have to advocate for yourself in. Yeah. I mean, sorry. They're just, I'm not saying there aren't great doctors out there. Right. But there are a lot of actors out there, but there's only one Daniel Day-Lewis. So if you're not getting Daniel Day-Lewis, that's 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 what you deserve. <laughs> and sometimes, you know. Sometimes you don't get it. You got to be Paul Giamatti yelling into the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that my one of my biggest takeaways from um, giving birth is that because I'm not a professional patient like you are, uh, but it's it's just really a make sure you're you have a partner or if you don't have a husband or, you know, whoever's there with you in the hospital, make sure that they know to be your advocate and to insist on things, because at the end of the day, Especially during your like labor experience and everything. I mean, I'm I, I'm digressing from the pain management, but I'll get back to that. It's all connected. 
It's like you can you can ins- get what you want if you insist on it, and it's your birth. You get to have the experience. I mean, you can't choose everything, obviously. At the end of the day, you want healthy baby, healthy mom, bottom line, right? But you can ask and insist on things. If one nurse is not giving to- it to you, go above her head. Go talk to someone else. Well, here's the great news. Once you become a mom, people talk to you like you're crazy forever. So you may as well start right away. <laughs> you know, see, I felt like once I became a mom, the moment I pushed that baby out, I thought, oh, my God, I can do anything. Yeah. you. you well, that's what makes you crazy. You do become crazy in a great way. Well, actually, what happens is your tolerance for caring about what anybody thinks completely bottoms out. That's what it is. And when you, just, you become a woman that doesn't care what people think, they they call you crazy. Wow. Okay. I, I so you're right about just that. understand that people without children or people who have made a profession out of telling people how to manage their bodies mm-hmm. don't know your body. They don't know your kid. Mm-hmm. And they might be wrong. And guess what? That's why they get paid a lot. To deal with crazy bitches all day. So <laughs> if they weren't making $150,000 a year, $300,000 a year, I guess I'd feel sorry for them. Don't take your crazy bitch shit out on a DMV person. It's not their fault. Right. They don't want to be there. But a doctor? Feel free. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, who cares? Yeah. And that is that is what it is. I had the feeling of like, I don't care what you how you feel. Like, I don't care what you yeah. think right now. Whereas before I used to like cater to, oh, I don't want to be an inconvenience or I don't want to. It's like I've learned how to ask for help and how to ask for what I need out of necessity. Yeah. And and if that's what it took is. Well, and here's the other thing that's really, really big. Your health and wellness is the biggest gift you can give your child. Yeah. So if you're not advocating for yourself. Whatever diminished capacity you're going to be operating on going forward is what you're giving your child. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. You know, it's just beneficial to hear these stories, mostly in my opinion, because you might find me in a grocery store one day exhausted and sad. Mm-hmm. And I don't, for some reason, know the difference between macaroni and cheese and rice aroni for a second because I'm really tired and I'm holding these two boxes in my hand. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot handle it if you walk up to me. And look at my newborn baby and say, are you just in heaven? <laughs> That's why this is important. <laughs> oh. That's why this is important. Yeah. Because my vagina hurt. Yeah. You know? I had And woman- I thought the first time I pooped after I had a baby, I thought I was going to die. I was going to ask you about all that. So, oh my yeah. God. No, it's, they call it the second birth for the reason. But they, they need to call it an exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> I was full on Linda Blair. Did uh, you know what your daughter was doing? Like I was so evil in that moment. Yeah, I was kind of crying and 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 oh. yelling and oh, screaming for a sits bath. Yeah, there. See, there's certain things too where I I wouldn't have known. I I happen to have a wonderful postpartum nurse, and I thought about her yeah, many, 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 many times. Yeah in like the three months following. But if I hadn't had her, it would have been a much uh, different experience. I had great nurses. It was just the doctor that was giving me sign off on leaving was the mm-hmm. nurse ratchet. But mm-hmm. I had one nurse um, that, oh my God, I love her. I, I, I think about this woman, again, like what you just said, mm-hmm. I think about her all the time. So I, my body had been through shock. I was in front of hospital food. You know, people were bringing me food because they loved me. But like, you know, my sleep was all wonky. 
Mm-hmm. And I was just not, I know, like, I, I didn't look like I was doing okay. Like I could tell. And she walks in and she's like, what about, that's how she started the conversation. What about chicken broth? And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she brought me, and I'm sure it was just like chicken bouillon, really not, I mean, this was not a Whole30 experience, but like a slurpy size cup of this Mm -hmm. warm chicken broth. And it brought tears to my eyes because it was the first comfort I had felt since I gave birth. And I was like, oh, my God. God bless nurses. Oh, yeah. Because a good nurse will mm. make you feel like you can get through anything. How how long were you in the hospital? Five days. Five days. And then when they sent you home, let's just put it this way. What stands out as being what you wish you would have had after you got home from the hospital that you didn't have did you have ice packs, pads, padsicles oh, in the freezer? Oh, 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 that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I sent I'm you a care about, package. Yes. Of yes, my you did. Hits. That's why I'm asking because it was very, very helpful, so, very nice. And a lot of people don't know about this. I stuff. sent, I'm, I send this to all new moms now. I sent and wish I had had a big bag of ugly underwear that you get out of like the six pack fruit of the loom. Cotton is really important. Cotton mm-hmm. underwear, no synthetic fabric. I mean, things smell bad anyway. Don't do this to yourself. Did they give you mesh panties as well? Those were fine, but I found like I could feel a little bit more human. (laughs) Right. And then they are meant to be thrown away. This is underwear Mm -hmm. that you throw away. This is not your nice underwear. This is your recovering underwear. Mm -hmm. Um, Hemorrhoid ice packs. Mm -hmm. It sounds insane, but let me tell you, hemorrhoids happen. Hemorrhoids happen. I'm going to start a support group. And they hurt. They're not just like ugly and gross and stupid. They hurt. They're awful. Most women get them after they yes. give birth. Yeah. yeah. Or while you're pregnant, they start to mm-hmm. pop out, you know? And they are just little ice packs that you keep in your freezer. And the first time you use it, you're thinking to yourself, I cannot believe this is where I'm at. But then after about three or four minutes, you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> it's like, it works. It just works. It takes the inflammation down. It's nothing crazy. It's awesome. Um, I, I soaked some pads in witch hazel and put them in the freezer because a friend awesome. of mine recommended that. So I had a little plastic baggie filled with like, you know, 10 padsicles. Yep. And that was an amazing piece of advice that yeah. I got. It was That's so good. huge. Yeah. Um, bath salt. Mm-hmm. Just something that smells good. That first bath that I had, because I mean, I had a lot of wounds, so I couldn't, I couldn't bathe right away. Yeah. I couldn't take a bath for a while. Yeah. But I remember the first bath I had after I had my son. And it's actually an intersection of a story because it was also, I think, another part of my postpartum experience that traumatized me was that my breasts weren't producing milk and I didn't know it. Okay. So at first, it's normal for them to lose weight. So when you went to the doctor initially for his first checkup, it was fine. And then how long did it take for you to figure out that he wasn't getting milk? It was like his second month that I was like, oh, he's not eating. Like, that's why it's a big part of what's going on. And so we switched to formula. And, man, look, it's great if you can breastfeed. But this is another thing where a patient advocate would have been great. Because what I read later is that, like, yeah, your body went into massive shock. You had massive blood loss. So after a certain amount of time, you prob- you might not be able to breastfeed. And it has nothing to do with anything other than mm-hmm. your body's like, sorry, we have to not do this. <laughs> yeah. We have, you have to keep 
something. Right. And, and for women that don't even have a big traumatic birth, sometimes they just don't produce and that's okay. Oh my God. And like they don't know it and they feel so much guilt and it's fine. You know? It's fine. And I, and, and if somebody gets on you for it, seriously tell them to go suck a bag of dicks. Cause like yeah. I, I had a couple confrontations about it. Even, and these were people that even knew what I had been through that were talking to me about it because they thought they knew better. It's as if they think, oh, you're not doing, you're not giving your baby the best. Well, you know what the, my best is? My best is me not being well, like, what a was total it? zombie. September was like National Breastfeeding Month. Oh, was and it? And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't like, where's National Formula Month? Where's <laughs> National My Kids Alive Month? Right. Fed is best. Right. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? And I'm so, I mean, I understand, like, I get it, mm-hmm. but like, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> shut I up. I would say, yeah. If I'm, you're about to give a new mom advice about breastfeeding and you're not an expert, just please hear my voice. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Maybe feel a little guilty too. Because <laughs> you don't deserve to be doing this to somebody's head. Like, if I could, if I could express how damaging it was for me and, and how fragile, and this is the thing, like. The really scary part about me is that when I'm depressed, you probably don't know it. Mm. A lot of people are that way. I feel. I know. So, and I was already looking tired. I mean, I was a new mom, so nobody yeah. was expecting me to, yeah, you know, not be in yoga pants. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like so that. So anyway, what I was going to say is my first bath. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was right after I'd had kind of my come to Jesus moment about not being able to breastfeed anymore. And my husband's wonderful. And so how he decided to celebrate this is that he brought home a bottle of wine. Oh. And he's like, you can you can have wine now. Were you not drinking at all well, before? Well, because I thought I just didn't want to, like, worry. Yeah. I mean, I was already so messed up, Christy. Right. That, There's like, so much pressure about that. I just was like, I don't want to give my kid wine boob or whatever. You know, yeah. I just didn't want to do it. And I know there are ways and tabs and well, tests. And I just I couldn't give myself another thing. Yeah. Is yeah, really yeah. what it was. Totally. So I had a huge glass of red wine mm. and I took this long bath. Oh God, it must have been life changing. I cried. <laughs> I, no, I did. I mean, it was the hottest bath. I mean, I like, I like boiled my body. I needed it. I needed yeah. to be like sterilized. It felt yeah. like. And um, because I had gone so long without taking a bath that I didn't realize I hadn't taken one yet. Because that's something that when you're pregnant, you can't have a hot bath. No. And that's something that I always used to love to do to relax. So all the things I used to love to do to relax, <laughs> yeah. like have a giant yeah. glass of wine, ha- sit in a really, really hot bath, all those things. You can't do that when you're pregnant. And then after you give birth, yeah, a lot of times you can't sit in a hot bath when you have lots of injuries. I had like five like glasses of wine while I was pregnant, by the way. I'm just here to make everybody feel okay about yeah. like a ramshackle pregnancy, I guess. No, but you're right. I mean, like you can't be an active drinker while you're pregnant. Yeah. So, uh, bath supplies, underwear, underwear. shame-free underwear. That's what Mm -hmm. I like to call them. Just your dirty shame-free underwear that you need to throw away. Love it. Yeah. Wait. It's time for fun facts you didn't know about giving birth. Today's fun fact is all about something called the linea nigra, which is that dark line that develops across your belly during pregnancy. Not all women get it, but a lot of us do. And I'm here to tell you 
that something I didn't know is that it can take a long time for that dark line to fade. I'm currently nine months postpartum, and that dark line is still there. It's faded, but it's still there, looking like a nice glorified happy trail. What causes this line? Well, they don't actually know for sure, but a popular theory is that it's related to the changing hormones or the imbalance of hormones as a result of your developing baby. So you can't do anything to prevent the dark line. It's totally normal, totally natural. And for some women, it fades away quickly. For me, no, it hasn't. But, you know, that's why this is a fun fact. Now you know. And now back to the show. So then just just to wrap up the postpartum part. Yeah. How long did it take for your stitches to heal? Uh, I think like two months. Two months. Because my I remember going to my six-week checkup and the doctor, my doctor was out of town. And so I got put with another doctor that I had never met before. And she was probably younger than me. Great. Great feeling. Um, you know. She told me, oh, it looks like the stitches are healed. Uh, I can still feel the sutures under the skin, but you're cleared to start having sex. So, and I was like, um, okay. At that point, I was still in a great amount of pain just on a regular basis, not even like thinking oh. about sex. Oh, sex. And so yeah. I remember being like, uh, I don't know about that. Like right now, I need a little bit more time. And she goes, you know, it's really important for everybody as a way to release. So you really should tr- give it a try. And I remember leaving that appointment being like, bitch, <laughs> oh my God. don't give me advice about, about sex. Like stick to the medical stuff. My doctor told me that if I never wanted to have sex again, he'd understand. <laughs> he said, what you went through yeah. could make someone a nun. Yeah. Well, but this is a thing is like, no, I, it's everyone says six weeks, six weeks, six weeks. I prop, maybe if you had a very untraumatic birth and the baby like just came out easily and there were no tears and everything, but it's extremely painful. And it took me five, I mean, literally five months till we, I didn't feel any pain. We, and tried, I actually, we tried to have sex and I had to stop because of how much pain I was in. And so, it was like I was past that barrier. So how long did you wait to try? I, I honestly don't even remember. Months. I mean, like it was regular sex. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Two, three months. And that's, I mean... Yeah. I was scared. But but even, I didn't see that that seems like a long time what you read on the internet or where you hear, right? But the truth is that's not that long for most women going through traumatic like uh birth injury yeah. healing. That's actually like pretty early. Also like you have to be in the mood to have sex. And you're tired and So let's just like yeah. that that's en- that en- alone is yeah. hard. Yeah. And you know, like Sleep is at a premium after oh. you have a baby. If your baby's so sleeping. So you're trading yeah. sleep for sex. Yeah. There is no. <laughs> that's true. And that's forever now. That's true. I mean, true. you really are. Until they're out of the house, like, you're trading sleep for sex. So there's the reality. Right. That's the currency you're moving in at this point. You know, and deal however you want. Yeah. I mean, look, there are some people, God bless them, that just, like, are hot for each other right away and they want to have a bunch of sex and I am so happy for you. It took me a while. Right. It took me a while. I think the thing that I, I just want to tell people is that if it's painful for you and you don't want to, that's okay. I feel like a lot of women just go, oh, I'll just grit and bear it and I'll just do it. 
but Ugh. but like don't feel that way because it's not it's not necessary. Well, you're um, not you're not a fuck doll, so mm. especially now that you've had a kid. Yeah. Period. <laughs> and that was something like what did you feel like your relationship with your body has changed since giving birth? <laughs> and yeah. in what way? Yeah. Um it's a great question. Uh I have always had a very adversarial relationship with my body because of my health issues prior. But now my body is the place that my son came from. So mm-hmm. I'm still working on that, but I can't deny the fact that that's where he came from and that's like my source of light in the world. So you know, it's it, it sounds very straightforward because that's that's how I do things, but if that's a reality, this place that's caused me so much pain and and so much trauma and so much fear is also this place that has given me my joy, which is my body. That's the intersection. So I, all I can say is that I've, for the first time in my life, started to consciously work on my relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. Before it was like, I'll just not do stupid things to make things harder on the body, mm-hmm. but I'm going to enjoy the life of my mind. I'm going to enjoy my mind because mm-hmm. I do. I love, I love being in my mind. I love, you know, even in my darkest points of depression, I, I like being up there and kind of being like, yeah, that's really fucked up, you know, weird. Uh, write that down. Um, <laughs> but now it's like there's something, there's a force that moved through you and you were once a force that moved through something and that's much more mysterious than it used to be mm-hmm. to me. So yeah, it changed. And also it's like before you have a baby, everyone's like, so are you pretty? Are you pretty? Is that your, how, how, how are you working on being pretty? Tell me about your pretty routine. Oh, uh-huh. tell me about your pretty ritual. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now it's like, uh, well, I am working on that still, right? Just trying to stay in the game, but something really big happened in here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll let you know when the soft open is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we're remodeling. Uh, yeah. We're, we're under construction right now. Yeah. Cause I, that can't be, that just, that can't, that's no longer what my body's worth anymore. There's a new premium. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what it is yet. It is pretty magical. It's, it's pretty great. It's, it's in a weird way. Like it's just a extreme expansion. Like I, Yes, that's it's a like great it's way like you've it. been living in two D and now you're living in three D in a way. It's just like a different consciousness. Um, for a long time, I felt like I didn't feel like myself, and that made me well. You, how could sad. you? You're not, but you're not you I'm anymore, not, right? But it took me a long time to yeah. be okay with that. And then now I love myself even more, I think, than I ever have because of basically like what you're saying is like you have to conscious you're you're so much more consciously aware of your body and its capabilities yeah. and and what it's gone through and you feel str- I feel so much stronger now than yeah. I ever did before. I do too. And I also feel like you are now part of history. Mm. Like you've stepped in and this doesn't mean everyone's going to remember me after I die. It means that I have initiated an energy field mm. in this little body that's going to be moving through the planet. And that is what came through me. And that's very important because he's going to intersect with other lives and then they're going to intersect with other lives. And I have put that in play and I have to take responsibility for that. And I'm allowed to enjoy that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's been a lot of therapy. (laughs) It's a lot of therapy, Christine. (laughs) 
I mean, I could end it on that. That's amazing. I was going to ask you sure. wh- the last question. Yeah. What advice, general advice do you have for any women out there listening that might be, have just found out they're pregnant? What do you wish that you had known that you know now? If there's anything that stands out. Every piece of you is having this baby. Everything about you is having this baby. Every decision you've ever made is having this baby. Conception started the literal aspect of that and that your worth as a person has not changed a single iota since the day you were conceived and won't change until the day you die. And there's nothing you can get wrong or get right to change the value of that. And the other thing that my friend Sarah tells me all the time that makes me laugh is if you get scared, go to a very public place and take in the fact that everybody's been born. (laughs) There isn't a single person you're looking at that hasn't been born. So what's happening to you is the most normal and the most extraordinary thing that can happen because it's an event. It's an intergalactic event, this person. And that's true if you're adopting. Yes. I mean, kind of even more so, honestly, because I can't think of a more powerful thing than saying, like, I chose you, like Mm -hmm. you, Mr. or Miss Baby or 12-year-old or whatever. That's that's a big deal. You're changing the course of history either way. Either way. So just give yourself some credit. (laughs) Have some cheesecake or vegan apple pie. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. That's beautiful. Thank you so much to my very first guest on this show. She is so vulnerable and funny and amazing for coming and sharing her heart and her struggles and her story and her triumphs with me and with all of you. I just couldn't be more grateful. And if you liked this, let me tell you, there are so many good conversations coming up. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes because you guys, (laughs) we are going to be getting into it with so many women. I'm so excited to be sharing all these conversations I've been having with you. So go subscribe now. And if you liked the show and you want to support it, please give us a good rating and share with anybody who you know who you think this might be helpful to. Everybody knows a mother. Most people know someone who's a mother-to-be. Let's get the word out and start helping each other and holding each other up with some good info, good knowledge, and good community. We're in this together, you guys. Humanity depends on us. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Christy Williams. We'll see you next week. This is a Sync Studios production.